for a Year, a podcast where we interview fourth-year University of Toronto students who had interesting experiences away from school for a year. My name is Ilya. I'm a fourth-year industrial engineering student here at the University of Toronto. Behind production is Arkady, a fourth-year engineering science student and the mastermind behind the operation. The mastermind, exactly. So uh, today we're here with Deborah. Uh, Deborah, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself? Hi, um, I'm Deborah. I'm a fourth year NGSI, so uh, I'm in the robotics option. Uh, and over PY, I worked at Clarify, which is like a computer vision company in New York. Uh, and then uh, for the summer, I spent it at the MIT Media Lab doing research. Sweet. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll dig into both of those a little bit. But okay. uh, for a start, why don't you tell people a little bit about like your interests and maybe like some like work related experiences that you had before you went into PY. Okay. Tell me about yourself. Yeah, tell me about yourself. Am I like weakness that? isn't strange. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so like uh, it was really weird. I sort of ended up at U of T like in a weird way. So I thought I was going to be into like lifestyle and like pre-med stuff. Sure. Um, and I was actually like registered to go to McGill. <laughs> um, and then I came here and I had a conversation with like a future prof, uh, Jason Foster. And mm-hmm. he kind of like talked me into doing engineering by just convincing me that it was like a discipline where you could just build stuff especially exercise and like practice and everything Mm -hmm. um and that was effectively why i chose engineering was like i just wanted to like build stuff Mm -hmm. um and i think like first year was hard because uh the program kind of just like punches you in the face um and then that summer after first year i spent working for engineering outreach so i worked uh like for just like their uh, junior d program I did like a mechatronics like boot camp thing, um, and then out of that, I sort of like grew this initiative uh, called Project Include, where we teach computer programming to students in low income neighborhoods in the Greater Toronto area. That's so, awesome. So that was right. That was really cool, and that was like a lot of my second year. Um, and the summer after second year was when I sort of started like like or just even like after that first summer, I started sort of started being like, okay, like what am I gonna do? Right. And like I never really. Uh, I wasn't very much into tech. So I started coding in like universities. So mm-hmm. like my first year was when I took my first programming class and like mm-hmm. understood like this is what a for loop is. Mm-hmm. So it was like really crazy. Um, I did pretty well in the class though. So I was like, oh, I'm like not bad at this. And I really enjoyed it just because um, like I mentioned, I was in engineering to build stuff and like coding is like this very kind of uh, easy way to build out your ideas. You can like think of something and just like build it. Right. Um, so like, out, out of Praxis, uh, I think, like, our Praxis 2 project was, like, to build some kind of app, and I really enjoyed that whole process of, like, designing a product and stuff. Um, so the summer after second year, I, like, worked with this startup um, called the Atolo, Atolo SE, so they, like, developed these, like, handheld devices um, for, like, to, like, support literacy programs in India. It was really cool. cool. Yeah, so... Wait, was that the one that came out with the whole prize? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Um, so I worked with them and then I did the hatchery at the same time and I was also trying to like explore research. I like that summer was like an intense kind of like, what do you want to do question mark mm-hmm. period. Um, and then also all of second year, I spent a lot of time in hackathons. Mm-hmm. So like, um, I, I think it was either, I think it was the fall of third year. I just like went to like, like a hackathon a week for like, like it was bad. Like it was like, it was like not good for my GPA probably, but like right. it was, or my stress levels or anything. But it was like, it was really awesome. Cause like the first hackathon you go to, you don't know anything and you're trash and you're like, mm-hmm. I'm never going to do this. I can't do this. 
Um, and the second one you go to, you're like, oh, like, I can kind of do something. And then the third one, you're like, oh, I can kind of, like, maybe do, like, more things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also turned out to be this, like, interesting kind of, like, professional experience opportunity where you can, like, talk to a lot of recruiters and talk to a lot of engineers about, like, what is it like to actually code for a living? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like, hackathoning was, like, a lot of my experience <laughs> in that startup. Um, and then, like, some of the, and then uh, just because I'm a, like, I, uh, I, 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 didn't sort of do everything for the purpose of building out like ideas. I kind of built out a bunch of projects, um, and that was really fun. Um, so yeah, that summer, the summer I did the hatchery, um, we actually went to like TechCrunch Disrupt. I don't know if uh, you could you tell people what TechCrunch Disrupt? Oh, TechCrunch Disrupt is. Disrupt is like this like uh, tech conference. Uh, it was happening in New York that year, um, and like one of my friends. So it was just like it's just like a tech conference where they show off a lot of like latest gadgets and like software. Um, you have like really big companies there, but you also have like this like startup showcase and you have like startups presenting. Mm-hmm. So like this was a period when like, like I'm realizing like a lot of stuff happened second year and second year summer. Um, and like effectively this was a period where I was really interested in the startup space. So I have been like talking to a lot of startup founders in Toronto, um, like actively seeking like mentorship and like talking to a lot of startup founders. Um, and they suggested kind of checking out this conference as a way to like, uh, just like see what like so they have this comp they have this um competition where like effectively aspiring startup founders will go up and they'll pitch their companies and stuff. Right. And have, Silicon like, Valley style. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that, 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 um, the conference in Silicon Valley, the, the the TV show is like based like very closely on TechCrunch Disrupt. Gotcha. It's super funny how similar it is. Um, so yeah, that was a really cool experience to just like sort of be in a space where like um, you see like people like really trying to make it and you sort of understand the landscape of what's going on in the landscape and stuff. So I thought that was like probably like a very uh, informative experience just being at that conference. But more importantly, because it was in New York, one of my friends offhandedly mentioned um, that like, oh, there was this Ensi alumni, he gave this talk at like alumni dinner last year and like uh, he started a tech company, like a computer vision company, Clarify, blah, blah, that's what they do. Um, and they're in New York. And I was like, oh, okay. So I just literally emailed him. Cause at that point I had been like talking to a lot of tech founders. So I was just like fearlessly sending emails and like not thinking about it. Um, and that was the first time I met Matt, who's the CEO of Clarify. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like the summer after second year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually wanted to do my PUI after second year, uh, where I thought I wanted to do it. Um, but then I was given the very good advice to do third year. <laughs> <laughs> Why was that good advice? Um, because, uh, so third year was where I learned a lot about actually, actually how to do like computer vision stuff. So, um, we had like a signals course, which ended up being very useful for my clarify interviews. Cause they would ask about like convolutions and comdex and stuff and like, we had done, we literally, like, we would have, like, a, like, a talk, like, a lecture about convolutions, and I'd be like, oh, my God, and then, like, in the interview, they'd be like, oh, convolutions, and I'm like, oh, so, I know this. Just, uh, just so for people listening who aren't as into the space, oh, convolutions yeah. are, um, like, what are they, so you like, can, what fields are Yeah, they okay, so, yeah, you can kind of just um, think of it as, like, a transformation done on an image, uh, where it's just, like, you're taking the image and you're, like, simplifying it. Um, so that you can be able to just like interpret like edges and things and decipher what the image is about based off of kind of like less uh, parameters, if that makes sense. It's a computer vision concept. It's a computer vision concept, yeah. Oh, sorry. But it's also used in signals. Um, uh, I'm like learning in this class I'm taking, it's also used in like bioelectricity stuff. So it's like used in other, mm-hmm. any kind of signal processing. 
And when you really think about it, like an image, any sort of like input transformation into like an output uh, can involve a lot of techniques and signal processing. So it's like a lot of those, uh, a lot of that is used in computer vision as well. Yeah. Gotcha. So but either way, it's like, I'm just saying like school ended up being useful, doing third year ended up being useful. Um, so I'm glad I did it. We also did like machine learning courses, which was useful. So all of that was, yeah, useful. So it was good to do third year before um, sort of like digging into the job search for PUI. Right. Yeah. So did you keep in touch with Matt and the people at Clarify from the summer after second year yeah. through the interviewing process during fall of third year? Yeah. So I never uh, signed up for Portal. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> Which is like, I don't know if that's advice you should give people. But you um, didn't. I didn't. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't like interact with EEC at all. Um, but uh, yeah, I sort of had like a couple uh, people that I knew I could talk to. So I sort of uh, had like two or three, like I literally, so I guess like my approach to um, uh, PY was like, if I uh, didn't get one that I thought I could learn enough from or didn't get one that I like truly wanted, um, I wouldn't do it. Like it's better to not do it at all than to do one I didn't like fully buy into. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like a very critical kind of realization I had like, start going into it like I sort of like established some things where I was like if if it's not like a place I want to be at or a a job I want to be doing every day for a year then I'm not going to do it just do Um, fourth year yeah exactly exactly so because of that I had like a list of like I had like a a running list of like all this and I wanted to work at a startup because I was very interested in the startup space I still Mm -hmm. am right so I was like okay um here's like all the list of startups that I think are really cool um and like a lot of them were Canadian startups a lot of them were like around Toronto um, and then I kind of like whittled that list down to like the three that I was like super excited about. Mm-hmm. And like, I sort of like, <laughs> like kind of like went on like a campaign. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> what does that look like? What does the Deborah campaign kind of for startups look like? Um, uh, so it looks like, it's like a very targeted thing. It's a, it's really weird to talk about now. It's like kind of embarrassing, but it was like, um, so for example, like I would read a lot of their, if they published anything, um, or if they like had sort of any kind of like, uh, white papers, I would like read those and like understand. So like, I, I would sort of like understand their like, um, unique value proposition really <laughs> well. And then I would, I would, I never wrote a cover letter, but I would send these like emails that were effectively cover letters where I'd be like. I really appreciate that your startup is doing this when everyone else in the space is doing this and this is how I think it's going to be an advantage in this way. And like, I would just be like, and I, like, I have these skills and I've built this thing and I think that like, this is how it's going to help you. Um, and I would just really like target them and it would be like, I think, I think um, that's probably an attitude I'm going to take to like full-time job search or grad school or whatever, where it's going to be like, um, like, like I really actually appreciate you as a company or as an organization or as an institution i really appreciate like this element of what you're doing and like i really think i can contribute in this way um and then like if it's really hard for me to find that like unique value proposition it's probably not a place i want to go right so yeah it was it was like way more work (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like way more work i was telling i was trying to explain to a friend like what it was about i wouldn't like recommend it as like uh i don't think it's like practical at scale so that's why I only really applied to like I only really targeted like three or two like companies that I really wanted to work for right but on the other hand like they could really appreciate like the fact that I really wanted to work there and they would like find opportunities to be like oh you know because I actually initially uh I wanted to so I thought I I did not want to do 
like applied machine learning. Um, I actually wanted to do like design stuff for them, um, and I like, what like, kind of design? Like a product, like, like a product like design yeah. type role, yeah. Um, and that's kind of effectively what I had like first applied for at Clarify. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they were like, "No, you don't have that experience." Right. But like, you're super interested in Clarify, and like, clearly you can do things and you can build things. Let's see what like makes sense. Um, so then that's how we that's how we like you know after like investigating a couple of roles I interviewed with their data team uh, after um, and that's how I got that so like that's how I ended up on the applied machine learning team cool yeah so let's begin to like clarify yeah what in in a few words what does the company do so they have like a, a product effectively which is like a computer vision API where it will have these models like pre-trained models um, where you can send the image you can send your images to these models um, you send your images to our servers effectively, which shows these models, and we can we'll get a prediction for you, and we'll send it back to your app, and mm-hmm. then you can kind of manipulate that data and like you know use it to serve your customers in whatever way possible. So we would mostly have a lot. We would have a lot of enterprise customers, but you can imagine like a developer using mm-hmm. that product to like build an app to like detect cats or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Like, <laughs> I, I remember seeing uh, um, Arkady and I were talking about this uh, all over Hackathon. Like yeah. Every yeah, hackathon, yeah. they would have a a like best use of Clarify yeah. API app. So yeah. I'm realizing. I also I, that's how that's how I uh, sort of like knew to like contact them when I was in New York because I'd seen them all over hackathons. I'd mm-hmm. been going to these hackathons, so I was like, oh, like yeah, like they're definitely legit because they're everywhere. Right, <laughs> kind of like Twilio's level of like involvement. And the Twilio's like the hackathon company. Right. right. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah. so just I think to, to clear up a few things for people oh, who aren't yeah. as involved in the tech That's space. Yeah, so sorry. what basically, correct me if I'm wrong, what yeah. Clarify does is allows other companies and applications to look at images and know what's in those images. Yeah, so like interpret... Um, decipher sort of like the elements of an image and it'll generate like a list of labels like cat dog if there's an image of a cat and a dog in it Um, they also have like a lot of other cool products Um, so they have like um, sort of like this interesting there's sort of like unique value proposition is that they have this um, uh, product where you can effectively train your own model based off of so we would have like pre-trained models and based off of like the sort of like we would send the images to these pre-trained models and then sort of like use those predictions based off of these new images and like decipher these new labels so you can effectively rather than name it labeling an image dog you can name it like harvey if that's the name of your dog and mm-hmm. be able to identify like your particular dog okay um so there was like a sort of like custom training um uh feature that like they provided and like that was also like another that was like one of the things that like really attracted me to it because that was like a really cool kind of like exciting thing to see in that space at that time right yeah gotcha. so like a pretty advanced machine learning and like ai centric company yeah very yeah. every i was like the least educated person there by so far how, how how did you handle that learning curve what was that oh, like when yeah. you got there um yeah it was hard so i think they they sort of started me off on projects that were easier to get into based off of my background. So they knew what I could do and they sort of uh, catered to that when I first started. So um, they would get me building like internal tools to help like clean data, to help like um, uh, sort of like put together these data sets and things like that. And like 
uh, it wasn't until like two or three months down the road, like <laughs> like after like they were like, okay, this is how like machine learning works, and like <laughs> here's all these papers and like how you understand like how things work. Um, that like I started training models, and that was also like partially because I like took a lot of initiative. I think I think like uh, when things became challenging and the curve became steep was when I sort of I pushed myself over the cliff where I was like I volunteer to do this thing uh-huh. that like was like way over my head, and then like when I started doing it, I was like, well, this is way over my head. But then I was like, I, I want to like really learn this. So like it, it, they would they would they, there was a lot of support. I also had like a coworker, uh, one coworker in particular that just like super like went out of his way to like help me mm-hmm. so that was also really helpful to have like a mentor that you could kind of like depend on and like ask questions to it sounds like they really invested in you that way <laughs> they did yeah, yeah. <laughs> from the outside yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it was i think it was really cool uh it was yeah it was like a, i definitely came out learning so much more than uh i thought i would even i i knew i would learn a lot but i learned like even more than that it was crazy mm-hmm. yeah was there a point in time you were there for what 12 months I was there for 13 months, yeah. 13 months. Yeah. So was there a point in time where you kind of felt comfortable? Yeah, there was. So kind of and not really. So it was a startup and they had like these, like they had like these like investors and they had these like clients that were always putting pressure to like do these crazy things um, tech wise. So there was like always insanity happening, mm-hmm. like in terms of just like, like constantly having ridiculous challenges and like having to like you know like put in a lot of effort to like get something done i don't think there was like a single like board employee so like right. like i think after like the first four months like there you would literally have people being like you're an intern like what like yeah. they wouldn't like they just kind of like after the first four months and the you're other summer interns left yeah. they're like oh she's still here so she must be a full-timer <laughs> or something um so like after that period of time i kind of like ended up doing a lot of like um uh full-time work or full-time-ish work as much as I could do right. um so like after the first summer uh I ended up like training models and stuff like that and that was also that's also kind of like a thing that um is very different every depending on who's coming with the request mm-hmm. and then like um I would say like maybe like six or seven months in, I started doing like um uh back-end kind of uh work so like how to like serving models or um uh, automating like the deployment like model deployment um so things that were more like i i like shifted my role shifted to make it so like when i was getting comfortable with like the data stuff and like the model training stuff then like i was given this new sort of like uh role of like doing like model deployment and stuff so it was like like my role shifted so i think Mm -hmm. i like i like might have tasted like one day of like comfort uh-huh. <laughs> but, like ultimately it was like a very kind of like flexible thing and because it was a startup like they needed someone to do different things so like once they could sort of tell that like oh uh you're done with this thing okay or you're like good with this then like we need your help with this other thing right how big a company is it how many people it was like it's like 60 people i think when i joined it was like uh like 40 or so i can't i, I can't remember but it but like roughly yeah around. like around 60 like less than 100 um but they moved to this new place that's like big, so I'm sure it's like around a hundred now. Okay. Yeah. But like you comprised well over one percent of the company. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think they were just kind of like, yeah, let's just use it to do whatever we need to do. It was cool though. I like fully did not know anything about backend engineering. And then I like had to suddenly be like writing production go code. I was like, okay, this right. is fine. Yeah. It was cool though. I liked it. Yeah. 
so it sounds like you grew a lot on the technical side. Yeah. What kind of like personal growth did you have to have to handle that learning curve and like living? Uh, you never lived in New York before. No. So I, like, have you ever lived in New York? Before? <laughs> I, I've I've slept a few nights in New York. Uh, I've been I've been stranded there. For yeah. Like, You've been stranded uh, there. I've been stranded there. Um, but but yeah. Like, sounds what, like a good what story. <laughs> later. Uh, what, what, what was that like? Um. Yeah. So that was like what I wasn't yeah so I think there was like a lot of like coming in I was like oh this is gonna be a cool like technical enrichment opportunity like I'm gonna like uh you know learn so much technical stuff and like come back with all this technical knowledge and I didn't like I like was completely blindsided by just like the personal stuff Mm -hmm. um so like like I don't know people can't see me but like I'm black right Mm -hmm. and like in the states like that is so much more of a thing um not to say it's not a thing in Canada, but, like, in the States, it's just, like, this huge conversation that's happening, mm-hmm. especially, like, when I, like, arrived, like, just, like, this, like, post-November 2016 period. Um, so, like, I just learned so much about, like, African-American struggle and, like, just, like, so much, so much, like, history about that. And, like, I was, like, totally blindsided by it. So that was, like, a huge kind of, like, whoa, like, this is insane and this is interesting and just, like getting to meet members of that community mm-hmm. so that was like a one thing and then the other thing was like I, I like did not I was like a child <laughs> when I moved in like I was like like I don't like doing laundry I don't like cooking <laughs> I still don't like cooking and I still don't like doing laundry but like living in like a huge city where you're like you know like I don't know it just like taught me a lot of things about how to take care of myself mm-hmm. um I think like one interesting thing was also like figuring out who I was as a person, like, what I appreciated, like, community-wise, but also, uh, so, like, for example, like, I, like, tried to live in Manhattan, and it was just, like, super depressing, like, just, like, going from, like, like, leaving your house into a crowd, and then, like, having that crowd walk into a subway, right. and, like, a crowded subway, and then, like, leaving, and just, like, being engulfed in this crowd was, like, oh, my gosh, so I turned into, like, one of those people gentrifying <laughs> Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> like this actually kind of like like neighborhood culture matters or community culture matters um why yeah. do you think you felt that more there than here there where uh oh. why more in new york than toronto yeah i think part of it or too yeah, yeah i think part of it too is like not being in engineering um so like in uh in new york i kind of made friends in like different spheres of life mm-hmm. um which was really good for me I think I think when I came in so I, I I was like a high school kid that like loved English and history and French and like uh like kind of like humanities courses mm-hmm. and then like ended up in engineering I'm like still trying to figure out what happened um but like <laughs> I think this was probably probably like parental pressure or something but like I like I ended up sort of in the space where a lot of people were like thinking one way Um, which I appreciate, like, I really appreciate science, and I really appreciate math, and I really appreciate physics, Um, but I think, like, I was sort of missing a community that, like, appreciated, like, creativity and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, Um, so, like, in New York was when I sort of, like, reconnected with that group, Um, and I think, like, like, where I lived influenced sort of my community in terms of, like, who I would be hanging out with, so when I was in Manhattan, I was, like, you know, a lot of the people that I, like, ended up being friends with were, like, investment banker types people, like, oh my god <laughs> no, no, investment bankers are people too you know? right of course <laughs> but like it was just like a different it was like very much like that engineering community and then like when I moved out to Brooklyn a lot of the people that I ended up like meeting and being friends with were like much more sort of like creative and expressive and like 
the culture around. That's why I was saying, like, I didn't realize, like, community culture and, like, neighborhood culture was even a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, stuff like that. Where you, and then you sort of start questioning, like, what kind of lifestyle do I want for the rest of my life? Like, it was, like, a weird sort of, like, this is deep, I apologize. No, please. Um, but, yeah, like, you were sort of realizing, like, oh, some of the habits that I'm developing, like, um, if I, like, work 100% of my time, like, do I want to be a person that does this for the rest of my life? Is this something I want? Because like, it's not, like, school where you're, like, oh, I'm just going to do this for now. It's, like, n- no, this is, like, a trial period for the rest of my life. Right. <laughs> so, it's, like, if I, like, turn into, like, this workaholic person, um, which I was for a bit. Like, I kind of, like, went through phases. But it was, like, is this, like, sort of the lifestyle I want for the rest of my life versus, like, when I was, like, very, you know, like engaged in my community then it's like oh is this the kind of person I want to be for the rest of my life like Mm -hmm. when I was very engaged in like creative stuff like is this the kind of person I want to be so it was like a very sort of like self-reflective period in that sense as well right yeah Uh, did you feel like you came out with any answers or more just like awareness um, do you have an answer of who you want to be? <laughs> uh, well, well, I don't know. Maybe more, Where do you more see yourself in five years? Was it clarify? you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> bam. Bam. <laughs> um, uh, what do you mean? I'm sorry. Like, well, I, I, I guess what I, you were talking about like, oh, like that, that growth. Like, did, did, that, did that growth come from just like becoming aware of those different sides of you that you realized kind oh, of yeah. being nourishing? Yeah. Um, was, is that kind of like where you were yeah. going with that? I think that's it. Yeah. Like, that's well said. Um, yeah. Like, it was identifying sort of like parts of myself that had been like squashed right. <laughs> for, for three years of engineering <laughs> and just having the space to be like oh like uh do I want this to be a, a permanent squash or do I want to like let it flower that was like not well said but like no but I, I didn't even get where you're coming yeah, from yeah yeah okay cool um do you like, well, so you really connected with that community in Brooklyn. Do you think you'll be able to kind of like keep in touch with either that community or a similar type of community now that you're back? Yeah. So, like, it was really funny, too, because, I, like, so a lot of the people I was, like, I, I was, like, I, I, like, went to, like, like comedy clubs and jazz clubs and stuff, and I was talking to people in that scene, and I, 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 I would always say, like, oh, I've never seen anything like this in Toronto. <laughs> and everyone's like, what are you talking about? Like, Toronto has, like, this and that, and, like, you know, like, they have, like, this thing and that thing, and they have this huge jazz scene. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I had no idea, like, anything. Yeah, so I feel like in Toronto, like, I can definitely, like, find that community. Even on U of T campus, like, mm-hmm. there's definitely people still interested in that stuff. Um, I just, like never did anything about it right. so it's very much like having the space to like figure out that like oh this is like stuff I enjoy right. um, so yeah like I definitely think that like it's not exclusive like nothing is special <clears throat> sorry uh, pri- like unlike the hype would suggest like nothing is like super special about New York as a city uh, but just like having the space to sort of discover myself and being in a city where there is a lot of ha- stuff happening like mm-hmm. enabled that but I think like definitely there's a lot of stuff happening in Toronto and like I'm hoping I can find similar-ish community here. Um, and if not, like, yeah, I definitely still stay in touch with the people I've met over PUI. Um, like, uh, especially when I started getting into research, like, uh, I'll, like, see them at conferences. I'll see them, like, mm-hmm. you know, we stay in touch, like, very, yeah. So, like, it, I haven't, like, lost uh, those friends. But I am aware that, like, it, it wasn't, like, a localized thing. I, it's kind of on me to sort of, like... Uh, wherever I am sort of like make sure that I'm uh engaged in activities that actually like you know like that actually enjoy that actually like you know feed me if that makes sense I don't know oh definitely yeah 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 
So, uh, speaking of things you enjoy in research, <laughs> your summer. Yeah. Uh, so, where, where did you spend your summer again? Uh, so, the MIT Media Lab is like uh, this lab uh, at MIT in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And it's like sort of this weird kind of space where um, they do like anti-disciplinary research, mm-hmm. which is like a bit Air like... Quotes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Air quotes. Yeah. Anti-disciplinary research. Yeah, so it's like a little bit um, research that like wouldn't get funded anywhere else really. Or no, uh-huh. that's not true. That's not true. I would say that. But it's like <laughs> research that like is just sort of on the edge of it, um, mm-hmm. where it's kind of like risky stuff that um, is, is sort of hard to place in any discipline. Um, very like cross-disciplinary projects and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was a good, I think it was a good, so I, I was very scared of research since first year. Like it was just a very intimidating sort of thing for me to see. Why? Uh, so the summer after my senior year of high school, I volunteered at a bioengineering lab at like UOttawa. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like not fun. Like I was just like, well, I was a high schooler and then I think about it, like why would they let me do anything? But yeah. like, I was like pipetting and like, yeah. like washing a Petri dish and stuff. And I did it a couple times. Um, and I was like, oh, this is like not fun. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's what I thought research was. That's what I thought like people did when they did summer research was just like, uh, like routine lab work. Uh, but the thing is like, I did enjoy labs. I enjoyed writing lab reports and like, I enjoyed labs as like a, like, course labs and like I, I did really well in those and I, I understood that there was like something there maybe but I was like oh like it's for like those people you know like, like it's not for me like I, I every tower every tower yeah it was like yeah. I, and the, like I really value access which is like one of the things why that's like one of the reasons why I'm attracted to startups is because they're so accessible like mm-hmm. it's like flat organization it's very easy to like talk to anybody at most oh, yeah, with a little bit of persistence but like it's like you can like usually access a lot of these like startups right. they're very open um, and like research seemed like the opposite of that. It seemed very closed, mm-hmm. um, which was like a huge turnoff. Um, but then uh, the media lab was like kind of a startup vibe. So like it was a very kind of like open lab where they were very open to collaboration. They were very open to like suggestions. People were collaborating in interesting ways. Very flat organization. Like the director was just like walking around. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't uh, the hierarchy that I was like assuming existed in research, like didn't pan out when I actually like right. participated and then the other thing too was like um, I don't know like the particular community that I ended up in like machine learning in general like is sort of a similar vibe where like as a research community machine learning is very open very accessible um, very pragmatic mm-hmm. um, and like because of that like it was like very much the opposite of like what I assumed research had to be right yeah so it's just kind of like happening to be in the right field uh, to actually like be in like a research community that like made sense given like my values mm-hmm. yeah so was it through Clarify that you found your way to the MIT Media Lab? no not at all so, they how, were separate how did that <laughs> they were separate activities it's a weird story okay so uh, yeah it's a weird story uh, so how, how do I even start? so I guess I was like I watched a TED talk uh-huh. <laughs> so someone at the Media Lab gave a TED talk this is also just like, uh, like it's just kind of like a testament to like how like emboldened I was after like meeting a bunch of mentors after second year. I felt like I was like, I can just email anyone. Yeah, to <laughs> anyone is right. fine. <laughs> so this is a TED talk, and the talk was about um, uh, a researcher at the Media Lab that had um, she had uh, she had been trying to do a facial facial recognition project. 
and wasn't able to like recognize her based off of her skin tone. So mm-hmm. it was clear that the model hadn't been sort of like calibrated to quote unquote uh, to like work with like particular skin tones and things. And that was that was like alarming to her. And that was just the extent of the, the, the talk was just kind of like bringing attention to the problem of like, oh, you know, especially some of these open source. The context of at that time was just like a lot of these open source systems, you know, don't accommodate all these different variations in like skin tone and gender that exist in facial recognition. It was like this very narrow scope. Right. Um, but then while I was at Clarify, um, we were able to sort of like identify, I, I, while working kind of training models for clients, I was able to sort of like identify the issue happening. And I was like, oh, like this is not just a thing that is with open source things. This is a thing that affects like commercial API systems as well, where it's right. like, uh, these models don't work equally well for everyone. And then the other thing that was like agitating me at the same time was um, so Clarify is a really awesome sort of like research focused company. So they will uh, papers flow through the company, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so like even papers, you mean like like research papers, research papers on papers, machine learning. On machine learning, yeah. yeah. So like I just got to like read a lot more about machine learning while I was there, even though I wasn't like on the research team, for example, is what mm-hmm. I'm gonna say. And you sort of, you start, and then you sort of start realizing, like, oh, um, and, and then I also I got the opportunity to sort of like tag along to Nips, and <laughs> uh, I think that was like November, um, and like just kind of like, like get a certain awareness of like what was happening in the machine learning um, uh, research field, and I realized like there was this huge problem where people weren't really asking questions around like. Um, bias in machine learning and people were also weren't really discussing like interpretability as much at that time so they were what is interpretability so they weren't like trying to understand how these models work it was a very like hyper pragmatic kind of like black box yeah they were like yeah like you know it's just like, like let's add more layers and like it works it works awesome like let's just go cool um so people were really like why does it work like it mm-hmm. wasn't which is like one of the things that attracted me but it was also like oh this is this might become a problem when you're giving results and like no one can really explain why these results occurred mm-hmm. and those results might be like biased or unfair. Right. Um, so yeah, I just became interested in that. So I literally emailed her being like, Oh, like kind of similar to like the pitch. I feel like this is like, like the way I kind of get jobs. is just like pitch, like, Oh, like, you know, I'm interested, you know, you could, yeah. you could, you could have my skills. I can help right. you with this. And um, so I sort of was just like, I see what you're doing here. This is super interesting. She was one of the only people working on this problem at that time, which made it um, really easy to reach out to her because, like, no, I guess it wasn't like super interesting to the pop, like greater population. She didn't exactly have a full inbox. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, she did have a full inbox. She was doing other really cool stuff, but like, but not on this um, front. On this particular topic, wasn't super hot like a year mm-hmm. ago. Um. So, like, when I reached out to her, it was still sort of like, yeah, sure, like, help out in this way. Um, so I helped her out over the year and I just kind of like volunteered with her in my spare time. Mm-hmm. And then I was looking for something different to do over the summer. And I was like, oh, like, and she's like, yeah, I'm just come. So that's how I ended up there. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. very casual. Um, but I was like volunteering for about a year with her um, remotely. And then I kind of just joined for full time for the summer because I kind of right. needed something different for the summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you moved out to Cambridge? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. What? And over that year, it became like the super hot topic so like it like when I first kind of started it it was like we were both like there was a couple people that had sort of been doing it for years but then there wasn't like a lot of people mm-hmm. like <laughs> the conference we went to was just like enough to fill up like you know an auditorium which is like a smallish conference and then like over the year uh there's just like 
her her research in particular got a lot of press and like there was just like a huge like ripple effect and it became this like super like big thing so now it's like a very kind of like sexy sort of like machine learning topic which i think is like super interesting like over the years that's awesome yeah so that that was also like part of like how i was like oh maybe i should like focus on like supporting this more and getting more into this just like because it was just like oh this is a legit thing we should probably like right yeah Yeah. we should take this more seriously and like you know like formalize some of these ideas that we've had um yeah Mm -hmm. so that was kind of like what pushed me to get into that as well so is this kind of the interdisciplinary or like anti-disciplinary type like idea of like in in this case is bias and looks societal bias and machine learning is that like generally the kind of thing that was happening at the media lab yeah there was like i thought the media lab was an interesting place because it's like you have like very established sort of labs like they have like a a biomechanics lab that's like you know very like prosthetics Mm -hmm. and like like doing prosthetic stuff which is like sort of this like like sort of like traditional field of interest um but then they would be thinking about like uh different things with regards to prosthetics that i was thought so they would be like consulting with like ux people and being like how do, how do we make this look good? And how do we make the person wearing it feel good? And, like, right. how do we serve the, the customer in this way? And I thought that was, like, interesting. So even in, like, you would have, like, more rigid groups like that. You would have, like, viral communications where you're, like, like everyone in the group is doing something different. Or civic media where we would. Is that a fancy word for memes? <laughs> viral communications. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, like, viral tweets and stuff. Uh-huh. I don't know. Like, everyone was kind of doing something. It was, everyone was kind of doing their own thing. And then, like, they would just find, like, a big umbrella to put it under. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, like there was like more established sort of groups for sure, um, but like everyone was kind of just doing their own thing, which is I thought was really cool. It was also like a du- duocracy. That was like the way um, someone described it, where it's like the more you do, the more you're supported and encouraged, um, versus like a meritocracy or like I don't know, like nepotism. Wait, so how <laughs> so would you like, really distinguish cool. between yeah. a duocracy and a meritocracy? So a duocracy would be like, uh, like literally the more ideas you build out, um, the better things are for you. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a meritocracy, uh, it, it can kind of turn into like, if there's more of a competitiveness um, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, uh, perhaps this person deserves more because they did more work or they, uh, they had more visibility in this sense. Right. Whereas a duocracy is literally like, I, I had more ideas that I made happen. Like, I just literally got more, like, I got more stuff done in the sense of, like, I had more developed, like, I had more ideas and I, like, built them out. Right. Um, so I feel like that was sort of how I, in my mind. And like, it's, so it's like, with the duarte, it's less of a zero-sum game. Yeah. It's, it's not about, did you have more beat. ideas than this person? Did yeah, you beat exactly. them? It's how much did you do? There is enough to go around yeah, to earn exactly. it through your actions. Yeah, it's more of, like, a win-win scenario. Uh-huh. And it's very much less competitive. Right. Which I really appreciated. I thought that was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. Being in a space where, like, uh, especially with, like, academics, you know, like, it was just really cool to see, like, um, a space where, like, yeah, there was just less competition and everyone was very excited about building out their ideas and, like, building out as many ideas as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it sounds like both your Clarify experience and your MIT Media Lab experience were yeah. focused on building out a bunch of stuff. <laughs> so, what, <laughs> it's like the 
focusing on my life, though. No, no, and, and that's awesome. That's very engineering. Yeah. Um, says the apparently former life side kid. But the, uh, I, I guess, was there a difference uh, in flavor or in in like how the process happened to building at the research lab versus yeah. Lab? Yeah, for sure. Um, like I, I think that's why like research is now this interesting thing for me to look into because um so like in an industry context there are constraints that um might actually limit the scope of what you can do so like uh in industry like you have to like uh accommodate particular clients for example you have to like think about money and cost and just be like more pragmatic um, and then like as like an engineer in that context so I think Clarify did a good job like kind of giving space for like um, for like creativity so they would have like 20% time they would have like hackathon days and opportunities to like encourage people to like build stuff um, so, which uh, I appreciated right. oh. just for context like oh, yeah. 20% time is this I think Google originated an idea where yeah. you spend 20% of your time at work just working on passion projects and whatever yeah. you think is cool yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, but then, like, I think ultimately it would still, like, the most valuable projects would end up having to, like, bring in money right. in some way for the company. Uh-huh. So there was sort of, like, a limit in that in that, um, in that that context, whereas, like, I think the research context was super exciting because um, you just, like, built stuff that you thought was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as it made sense in the context of what other people were doing... Um, it could even be like completely different from what everyone else was doing as long as you could justify that like departure, you know? So it was just like really, it was like l- less barriers, like less constraints. It was very like open-ended and I, I really appreciated that, I think. Right. Would yeah. you have to kind of like justify the societal value of what you were doing? For, in both cases, I think you have to justify the value. Of, like I think you always have uh, to. I mean like, like at the um, media lab, like how would you justify the value of something you're doing at like an anti-disciplinary like creative research test? Oh, I see. Like how do you like say like... How do you say like this is worth doing? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a couple ways to do that. One is like contextualizing it in um, past research where you say like this is what other people have done. This has been their contribution. And here's my contribution, and here's how it, it how it extends like this particular field. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like one way to do it. Another way could just be like, here's all the applications of like how like if this works out, here's all the ways that it can actually be implemented and be used. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's like another sort of way that people do it. And then the other way, the other way, which is like unique to the media lab in a sense, where like um, you would have like these like like corporate sponsors interested in particular projects. Um, and that would sort of indicate to you, like, oh, this is something that's of value to, like, industry or of value to greater society if you have, like, governments interested in particular projects. Mm-hmm. So civic media um, is, like, sort of tied to these, like, uh, government projects and things like that. So I thought that was really cool um, as well. So it's just, like, if you can, if you have an audience that sort of uh, proactively sees the value in it or if you can contextualize it in research and be like, I'm moving the field forward in this direction in this way, mm-hmm. then um, that's usually enough justification to like go ahead. And then like the kind of fast prototype ideology makes it so that like even if you don't justify it, if you just like there's a bunch of projects which are just cool and like right. <laughs> people will just like build it and then um, once it's built, be like, oh, was this useful? Um, and then reflect on that. So like if it's like a quick prototype cycle, I feel like it's easier to just like build a bunch of stuff and like that's usually some of the best ideas like that just kind of like happen like you just do the experiment you just like 
the right. look of the prototype and then you show someone and you get feedback and the feedback is good and then you keep going or if the feedback is bad you rework it you know so things like that as well probably helped them filter out projects mm-hmm. yeah. gotcha did you interact with any like cool non-tech stuff while you were there uh in Cambridge yes I, uh, what do you mean non-tech stuff? Just well, like, I, mean, I was like less, I was less, oh, actually I made a bunch of like musical friends. Okay. <laughs> so I met a bunch of people. Uh, I, I don't know how this happened. I don't know. I had a friend that was um, doing his PY in Cambridge and like through him, I like met one person that went to like Berkeley School of Music um, and then like through that girl, I like met like a bunch of people um, and that was really cool because it was like, um, jazz musicians and stuff like doing gigs and stuff but like my age so uh-huh. it was like really cool it was really cool they, like they like invited me to a studio and like I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like the one engineer that's like this is like this is so cool and they're like like, for context, Deborah just threw up like the praise hands emoji. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was fun. I like. I really liked. Um, that was like a different type of music scene for sure. But it was really cool. I liked it a lot. It was very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like sort of. It was also really interesting meeting people studying uh, music and pursuing like uh, music careers. I thought that was interesting. Like mm-hmm. um, uh, their set of priorities was just like a thousand percent. You know, different. Uh, like, their commitment to sort of, like, their passion was very different. It looked very different from what I've mm-hmm. been used to hearing. Um, so that was really cool. Yeah. So there was, like, a lot of uh, interesting sort of experiences that came out of that. Right. Um, but then I also, like, I met MIT students. I met students at, like, Northeastern. Uh, I kind of, like, met... A, I just met, like, random people in the city, too. So, like, I kind of, like, met a lot of really interesting people in Boston in particular that really, like, contributed to my personal growth that I still talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess, like interpersonally wise I've met a lot of really cool people yeah mm-hmm. so I like MIT is like a pretty renowned school um, it's okay it, it, it's tight. yeah um, <laughs> it's only in Massachusetts <laughs> engineering you know? uh, well, well yeah but so I, I guess like, well, my question is was there anything you saw there where you were like man like we could and should be doing more of that oh here? god yeah um, yeah yeah there was a couple moments where I was like oh my gosh like why don't we do this. So what were some of those things? One of the things is like, um, so there's like a couple, a lot of them were related to like supporting, encouraging student like self-discovery. So I think MIT did a really good job of just like um, kind of pushing students to like really like um, define like themselves and like define their interests early on and like aggressively pursue it if that makes sense mm-hmm. i think u of t is is very and like canada in general like canadian education systems in general are very conservative so they kind of their their goal is more education oriented they're very like um we want you to come out with these technical skills mm-hmm. um and they're not necessarily like they there there are i think u of t engineering is sort of and like i came back and i realized like oh maybe there is this sort of happening like we have i lead and things like that that mm-hmm. will um sort of like push students to discover themselves define their values uh pursue their interests and like encourage them and support them to pursue their interests but i think i think uh mit really like pushed students to like discover themselves so like for example like they would just like give them a lot of opportunities to explore different career paths um and they would like you know push them to do like to explore research um and it it was never in the context of like you have to like this or you have to be this type of person it was always like 
be exactly who you are, but like know who you are. And like really, really aggressively, aggressively be that person. Be that person. Yeah. Right. Um, and, I, and like, so you ended up with people that like really knew themselves and they were like first year or second, no first year, like it's like second year, you know, right. like they had like kind of like come out of the year being like, oh, like this is the kind of person I am. This is the kind of person that, like, this is what I like. This is what I want to pursue. I want to do research. Whereas here, I feel like we're not supported as much in terms of like defining these things. Mm-hmm. Of course, you, like in every school you'll you'll like have people that are like that in every school you'll have people that are more sure or less sure Mm -hmm. um but i think they really just have like a lot of support in place for like self-discovery if that makes sense yeah um like just like so many like so like one thing for example is that they had like a semester between their winter their fall and winter semester like a mini semester it was called intercession yeah yeah okay oh you've done your research (laughs) okay yeah but it was like yeah where you can like just like do an internship in the middle of the year and like that's just like one more opportunity to discover yourself and figure out what you want to do mm-hmm. um and I thought that was really cool I think like things like that would really really help at U of T I, I think there's a lot of it sometimes disappoints me or frustrates me when you're like talking to some people and like um their scope of sort of like what is available to them to pursue or do is like a little bit narrow where they're mm-hmm. like oh I have to work at xyz tech company or I don't know, like their goals just seem like a little bit short-sighted and you're like, wait, no, but like, there's so much more. Like right. you, can, you can do this or this. And like, have you tried this? Like you should explore this. Um, so just kind of like encouraging people to like take the path less travel and really explore mm-hmm. and like, in, like letting them, helping them understand that there's no like rush, you know, like you can, you can really explore things. And once you explore things, that's where you really find the thing that you care about and can like actually excel in it. Right. So I think that like message was, was a little bit more uh, explicit there. Yeah. Right. It's almost like not being encouraged to survive, but rather being encouraged to thrive. Well, like, like, very aggressively. Yeah. Like, that's okay, just Tony Robbins. Oh, ah, okay, now. Okay. <laughs> no, that was another good that. line. I have a t-shirt that says that. Don't survive, <laughs> thrive. Oh, yeah, this is a, a, a book we were talking about recently. It said, like, a survival is insufficient. Survival uh, is insufficient. Yeah, 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 no, but, yeah, like, I think one of the reasons, I was also thinking, like, oh, man, like, how did I even end up having that attitude of, like, um, like, kind of aggressively find that thing and pursue it? Mm-hmm. And I realized it was because I had spoken to a lot of alumni, like, second year. So I guess alumni is also a huge part of it, too, where, like, alumni are, like, omnipresent at MIT mm-hmm. and like a, a lot of American schools um, uh, I, I spent time around like people at NYU and like Columbia when I was in New York too mm-hmm. and like at a lot of American colleges alumni are sort of like this like omnipresent force and like, they're very proud of where they they're went to school they're very proud of where they went to school uh, mostly because there's like 3,000 colleges so like if they went to a school that people can recognize it's like win yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah so they, they, were, they were very like they had a lot of school pride, um, which I think we have too, but like their alumni were just like, um, sort of like they could reach out to alumni without any problem. They sure. had a lot of like literal infrastructure in place to support them. So they have like tools, like literally like, which we're sort of starting to develop at U of T. So you can kind of see that like beginning to happen at mm-hmm. U of T. Um, but yeah, like I think it's like been very, like it's like a much more established sort of process uh, in the States. And I think like I went out of my way to reach out to a bunch of, alumni um in second year and like like after that first year summer um and i think like talking to those people and like getting mentored by those people like really 
changed my like perspective because right. like, a lot of these people that you see that you're like oh you're doing exactly what I want to do mm-hmm. and like I should do step one and step two and step three and then you like talk to them and they're like no I, I like failed at step one like this like I ended up taking like the back door in this way or like climbing up this mountain and I'm like like it's just like never a straight path yeah and then like the more people you talk to the you realize like wow it is never a straight path and then you become more comfortable exploring um and then right. I feel like that's like how that attitude kind of develops from that so like I feel like um I, I went out of my way to talk to alumni which is how like I ended up like sort of like in a community where I was like oh this is a lot of this like it personally resonated with me because I was like oh this is like a lot of the stuff that I believe and like these are a lot of the values that I see except it's mm-hmm. like institutionalized and like more people are sort of like hearing about this yeah so I think that that like the alumni component really helped as well yeah right. that's like a, another big difference I'd say Right. Yeah. And that's one of those things that like just even based off of your example is available at U of T but yeah. isn't pushed over there. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. So like this is like another example of something that is like it's totally here. Right. But like this isn't even that big a shift. People just need to do it. <laughs> yeah, we just need to do it. Right. <laughs> Same with like the like it's like we have like a comedy scene, we have we have things at U of T, we have like a very rich culture. Like U of T is a very cultural city. We're just like locked in Lombards, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We're just like truly Truly the curse. Truly the curse of undergrad. Uh. Honestly, I'm like, this year, I'm like, gonna go out into the city more. It's a very, Toronto's a beautiful city and there's a lot of stuff happening, but like, we just don't take advantage. Same with U of T. There's so much happening at U of T. We mm-hmm. just like, don't take advantage. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, along with that, like, what do you think is going to be different about like fourth year and how you approach fourth year now that you've had um, these experiences? Yeah. So like, um... I care about thesis. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like, I'm still unsure about what I'm doing, uh, as usual. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm uh, uh, taking a fourth year to really, like, clamp down on um, some of the stuff I discovered over the year. So, like, um, effectively continuing to, de- to define who I am and remain flexible in that exploration. So, I- I'm doing a lot of research stuff in general like uh, a lot of research stuff this year and then um and like I took classes that like will sort of like help me figure out like uh like I I actually like took classes that I cared about because I was like oh like I actually uh want to learn particular things Mm -hmm. to see if I like can do this thing um so like I feel like exploring research is like a huge shift that happened after the summer after the year um getting into machine learning so like I think before clarify I was just like a person that like liked coding as like a prototyping tool type thing Mm -hmm. um and then like after clarify I'm very much like oh computer vision oh machine learning it's really cool so like I think like getting more narrow focus that sense Mm -hmm. um yeah I think like so like just kind of like being more conscientious about school I don't think I was like very into school the last three years I sort of just did it and like I, I sort of like um approached it hacker style so I would be like oh you know if I like do this if I do this well on these quizzes then like I can just do this on the exam I was a very like exam heavy you know those like exam heavy people I was one of those yes like, yes yes where it's just, like <laughs> they show up to the exam and they do the exam and the exam is like carrying their entire grade but, like, um, much so, of the <laughs> yeah so I would like yeah I was like that person um and then like I think now I'm very much like oh I actually want to but then like after, as soon as the exam is done I like don't know anything Right. right? Um, and now you want to know it. Right? Yeah, now I know. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh, it's 
useful to know things. Like, uh-huh. Knowing things actually helps you in life. That is what? I mean, learning. That's a big win. It's useful. That's a big win. Yeah, so like an appreciation for like academic settings as actual avenues to learn. I think I, I used to be like a person that was like um, one of those people that would be like, oh, like, you know, I learned by doing or like, oh, like I learned more at hackathons or like at like internships than like, um, you know, uh, than, than in an academic context. But then I, I realized like, no, like you can learn if you take the right classes and sort of like do the, the work there's a lot to learn from school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I, I like a greater appreciation for school for sure. And then just like this, like hyper involvement in research stuff um, are sort of the big differences for fourth year. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then like, I guess like just being more concerned with that than like other stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think the last thing is um, you mentioned that you were a product of mentors and that that really changed the perspective that you had on well, a lot of the things that you did after second year. Yeah. Um, if people want to reach out to you as uh, now you are going to be a mentor to people <laughs> with all of these wonderful experiences that you've had, um, where could or should they find you? Uh, okay, so Facebook, I guess. Mm-hmm. If they, if they, yeah, so like Debs Raji on Facebook, I guess cool. is probably the easiest way. We'll post something. Uh, yeah, or like, I guess, like you could email me. Um, no guarantees about email, but like mm-hmm. Facebook is definitely a way for me to just like bookmark it. Right. Um, I'm not sure how available. I, I'm like not sure if I'm like mentor status yet, though. <laughs> like I haven't like done done anything yet. Um, I think most people listening would disagree. <laughs> yeah. So like I guess like yeah like uh, if you have questions, I'm definitely like an open person to talk to. I also like I'm just around a lot. Uh, I realize like just like being available is like this thing that. Um, you know, we sort of take for granted, like, the person that is, like, kind of open door. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like, yeah, just if, like, someone catches me somewhere and they ask questions, I'll definitely be open to, like, answering them. Sweet. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to say or talk about? No. Yeah. I guess I, one thing I wanted to mention was, like, I started a Twitter account, which is really cool. Um, I'm not going to share it now because it's, like, super embarrassing, but it's really funny because, like, in machine learning... Um, the community communicates a lot on Twitter. So it's like this like that professional, it's like, a, it's like a LinkedIn effectively. It's super funny. Yeah. So uh-huh. like fun fact, if you want to do machine learning, you should probably start a Twitter account. Start crewing those powers. Hot tips. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, you know, learn, yeah. learn, learn neural nets, learn you know, learn. do internships, start yeah. a Twitter account. Start a Twitter account. Yeah. Start a Twitter account. Just do it. Okay. That's as good a place to be. I didn't expect. It was so funny. And like everyone had it. It was so funny. Like you'd have people with like viral tweets and they'd be like, like kind of like famous. And <laughs> But like just within the machine learning community right and like the, the moment i realized it was like i met um this guy that's like machine learning famous but not actually famous uh-huh. and i took a picture and i was like oh my gosh like i can't believe it and i shared it with my friend who's just like uh she's like a mech student here mm-hmm. and she's just like who's that? <laughs> i was like so i was like i took a picture with this person and they're like uh, is that like supposed to be like a famous person that's how you knew you were in the bubble <laughs> yeah that's when I was like oh Frank I'm in deep yeah that's yeah, good yeah, yeah. hashtag deep learning hashtag deep learning oh Frank that's a good place to end as any <laughs> okay. uh, alright so uh, Deborah thank you for talking thank no you for spending the time okay. uh, this has been that thing I did for a year we'll see you next time